listening to The Knicks Recap, your source for all New York Knicks-related content. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Knicks Recap, your source for all New York Knicks-related content. This is a very special episode that we're shooting today. And if you can't already tell, I have a very special guest with me today, coming from the New York Post. You obviously know him, he's been in the news, and he's all around the Knicks, Mr. Mark Berman. Mark, welcome to the Knicks Recap today. How you doing, man? Hey, Trey. So just going, uh, just jumping into it really quick, Mark. Uh, so you've been all around, as we've spoken about, all over the news. Your reports and articles have kind of made its way all through the Twitterverse and has shaken it quite to its core, I would say, uh, with your, with some of your reports. I kind of just want to drive, I, I want to go into that, but before I get into those reports, something that maybe is not being talked about a lot, what is the situation with Coach uh, Thibodeau? Is he currently on the hot seat, or what's his situation going into this season? Yeah, well, listen, at the All-Star break, and we've reported it, there were some people in the next front office uh, who wanted to make a change. That's not news, I've written it. Uh, Leon Rose said no way. And they finished strongly. Uh, so, you know, Tom is back for at least another season, or maybe not. Uh, I believe if the Knicks get off to a slow start, someone like William Wesley is going to lobby for a change. Now, the Johnny Bryan thing would have been a lot sexier if Donovan Mitchell was on the roster. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's unfortunate that the Knicks didn't get that done. But Johnny, obviously, you know, uh, close to Donovan. And I think if they made the trade for Donovan, I think Tom, if the Knicks did not start off well, was a goner early and Johnny would oh. have taken over. But, yeah, I... I just wonder uh, if in January and the Knicks are in 13th place, uh, you know, if, if they look at making a move, especially if the rotations are being scrutinized right. where he's not playing top in. Uh, but listen, the top in issue, I think is pretty clear cut. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Tom's going to have less of a leash with Julius this season, but if Julius is playing like, the all-star he was in 2021, he's going to get his minutes and Toppin is not going to get his minutes. So you don't see a particular place because they obviously tried the experiment of Randall Toppin uh, last season due to injury more, more or less. Do you see them going in a situation now? Randall has the cut weight. He's slimmer now. Do you see him going in a direction where they could play a Toppin and Randall combination? I think they have to experiment with it in training camp and preseason. I know that when the season ended, Tom was not high on it. He made that comment that was very interesting, saying, well, if we do that alignment with Randall and Toppin in the front court, we're basically saying we're just going to try to outscore you. So the reference is, defensively, he won't, wouldn't be happy with a Randall-Toppin front court you know tom is so huge with rim protection he mm -hmm. loves shot blockers that's why he likes mitchell and he loved noel when mm -hmm. noel was having his career year during the 2021 season when mitchell was hurt 
Right. But he's a big guy with rim protection. And Randall and Obi do not offer that at all. I don't even think Hardenstein does. I haven't seen Hardenstein play enough, to be honest. I know he can shoot the three. From a defensive standpoint, I don't know exactly what he brings. He's actually uh, one of the uh, the top uh, ring rim defenders, actually, in the uh, in the league when he was in his time that he was playing in the Clippers. He actually protected the rim very well. He's one, he's one of the league leaders, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really good for the Knicks and Tom. And it's another reason why I can't imagine us seeing Randall Toppin. Uh, mm. If Hardenstein, uh, if he believes Hardenstein could offer that rim protection. Again, I, I don't know if you realize I was out 10 weeks on a family leave. So when right. Hardenstein was signed, uh, you know, I was sort of out of it in Florida. Um, so I haven't done a, a story on him yet. But Obi Randall at the 4-5, I don't see working. And Jericho Sims is, is, is the third string, and Tommy really likes him. Yeah, you, as you said, and um, there's a lot of minutes to uh, go around. Uh, well, there's not a lot, there's a lot of minutes to go around, but not a lot of bodies to accept him because, you know, as Thibodeau has, he likes his locked-in 10-man rotation. And one particular change in that rotation seems to be fans wanting to switch Evan Fournier when Quentin Grimes. And a lot of fans think that if the roster stays the same, Fournier likely still starts because with Tom Thibodeau, he likes to play his vets and likes to play who he knows and who he can trust and things of that nature. What is your read on that? Do you do you believe that Fournier starts, if the roster can, is currently still the same way it is, would Fournier start over Grimes? I think it's going to be a fun competition in training camp because I don't think it's a given. Again, I've said this and I've written it, a scout telling me, more than one scout telling me, if Evan Fournier is your starting shooting guard, you're not a good team. So, you know, and I wrote that in a different version uh, before the start of the se last season. I had written a scout saying that most of the time, Fournier is not going to be the best shooting guard on the court when they have the opening tip. So... Grimes is a, a favorite of Tom, as we know. Mm -hmm. As we know, Tom wanted to draft him at, at 25. They traded back thinking Quentin would still be there. And I think he looked very good in summer league. He looked like he dropped weight and got a little more muscular. Yeah. So he might have a little more stamina and speed. But he's a, a very good three-point shooter. He's not as good as Evan. But that's the only thing he's not as good at uh, than Evan, a much better defender. Evan, we'll see what he looks like in camp. He he came from the Olympics. Mm -hmm. Maybe he was tired. He never used it as an excuse. He always seems slow. Yeah. I kept talking to my colleagues early in the season. I said, is Evan always this slow? Like, I remember him in Orlando. He felt more, it seemed he was more athletic. I don't know. If, you know, he, he's not, no youngster. And then someone in the league, a scout person said, I, I, what is he, like 28, 29? Right. Someone said he's an old 28, 29. You know, he's played so much international basketball. So he's mm -hmm. got a lot of mileage on him. But, uh, yeah, I think it's an open competition. So the, the conversation that everybody's been speaking about, or at least that a lot of people 
been hearing about from numerous reports anyways, is that the Knicks have been actively trying to move and failing to move anyways, Julius Randle and Evan Fournier. Seems like in the summer they were trying to aggressively move them. Uh, obviously in the Donovan Mitchell trade, there were reports that they were trying to add Julius instead of RJ into that uh, particular trade to see how that would work out. And the Jazz balked at that. They didn't want that. Um, what are the uh, current reads on the team? Are there any current roster changes uh, that we should expect? Or is the team kind of set the way it is? Well, if uh, the Knicks offered Julius Randle in that deal, I mean, I don't know if they were trying to tick off Danny Ainge because uh, I mean, the guys were building and, you know, Randall is a, a very big contract and doesn't seem like he's getting any better. And culture-wise, I don't know if Danny would think that Julius would fit in Utah. So it's ridiculous if they tried to substitute Julius at least with Evan Fournier, you know, the contract's not as bad. And, you know, he's a pretty good guy, a very good teammate, well-respected. Uh, and Danny was going to take Evan. And that's another reason why Leon blew this, because he could have gotten rid of Evan's contract in this trade. Uh, but as far as trading Julius, yeah, listen, they've been trying to trade Evan since the trade deadline. And it's interesting because when I asked Fournier in like the last game of the season or after the last game, I think I asked him about what he thinks about his future, or whatever. And he like almost declined comment. Like he, he didn't want to get into it. And like Evan talks, will answer any question. Right. Uh, but he, he kind of deferred on that one. So he knows that the Knicks have looked to trade him and Julius it's just awkward. I mean, I think if Obi didn't come on so strong late in the season, I don't think there'd be this big a push. But Julius, listen, he looks like he might be in great shape. It's tough to tell from photos. I haven't seen him. But he looks like he's in great shape. And I've said this before. Two years ago, all Tom Thibodeau would talk about is what great shape Julius Randle was in. He mm -hmm. didn't say that once last year. And we wrote from a source saying he didn't come in in very good shape. You know, his wife was pregnant. Mm -hmm. He was coming off, you know, a, a second team all NBA season. I mean, maybe he got a little complacent, but I think he's got a lot to prove. I think he's going to be in really good shape. I'm predicting a really good year for him. I mean, when he's in great shape and he's playing like revved up, I mean, he's tough to stop. He's just got to get that three point shot to fall a little more. And he's got to not over dribble and he's got to look for his teammates and he can't try to be the point guard. Right. And I don't think he will be with Jalen. I think Jalen's going to help him. They know each other a little from Dallas because, you know, Julius is out in Dallas a lot. So I'm predicting a good season. I wish the fans would like give the guy a break. I mean, he was a monster two years ago. You know how it is in New York. It's instant gratification. They remember uh, what you can show them right away versus what you show them a year and a half ago. So they're even yeah, talking. Go ahead. Yeah. In truth, I never thought he got a fair shake. I remember when he was playing really, really well at the start of that 2020-21 uh, season. Right. And, you know, he's playing really well. And we were like kind of alluding to all-star consideration. And like I hear, see on Twitter, uh, response to my stories, oh, good, uh, he's in, increased his trade value so we could trade him. And it's like, the guy's playing really well. Why would you want to trade him now? I don't know. It, it, 
it's it's very uh, bizarre. And listen, Julius got a little jealous of all this RJ uh, stuff with the fans were chanting RJ's name. They never chanted Julius's name. You know, yeah. they used to be MVP, MVP during that great season. And I don't know. I don't even remember late in the season. We wrote about it and we were stunned in the press box. Julius at the free throw line and they're chanting RJ Barrett's name. Yeah. I, I really, like, I was, I just shook my head. It's like, what's wrong with these fans sometimes? I mean, seriously. Seriously. So I just so just go back to that. Do you think the the Barrett chance uh bothered him? When he's at the free throw line, yeah. <laughs> he was having a good <laughs> game too. Uh of course. But I think as worse was when he's on the court not playing well and there's chanting for Obi. And and that reminds me of a of a, a time when Dennis Smith was bringing the ball up court. Uh, he was struggling badly the season before, mm-hmm. and the fans were chanting for Frank. We want Frank. I remember that. I was an, another time where I said, I, I can't believe this crap. I mean, the, listen, during that pandemic season, they were wonderful. It was great to be there for those playoffs. And when the 2,000 fans were allowed in, I mean, it was a great atmosphere considering how much noise they were making for 2,000 fans. Right. But sometimes the the Knicks fans just frustrate me with, I you real. It's one thing to boo, but it's another thing when a guy is bringing the ball up court to try to run the offense that they're chanting for the guy on the bench, and that's what happened to Julius with Obi. So, the the other story you broke was that Cam Reddish potentially wanted out because he didn't want to. He didn't have enough playing time in uh, in New York. Now, about 30 minutes after that report broke, um, the Knicks Twitter account had the happy birthday stuff going on. And some Twitter person had commented like, uh, bro is leaving and with a, with a very crying emoji. And Cam Reddish puts, I'm leaving? Something to this effect. He didn't say the exact quote, but I'm leaving? I didn't say that. No report. You know, he didn't. He basically fought it off saying it's not really true. So what, what, is, what is with it with Cam right now? Is he in or out of, of the Knicks? <laughs> Uh, I think he was also responding to, did you ask for a trade, which I never wrote. Right. Yeah, I mean, I got a pretty good uh, inside source on this, that he's a little frustrated and he'd like a change of scenery. And I think the Lakers are a place that he'd like to be. Uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis have the same agent as Cam, uh, right. Rich Paul. And I think... The feeling is that if Cam went to a a place where he would have more of an opportunity and have a LeBron and Anthony as a mentor, mentors, you know, that maybe Cam could finally reach his potential. I think Cam feels like he's not exactly wanted uh, with the Knicks after the trade. You know, Mm -hmm. we, I had written that, you know, Tom uh, actually didn't want to do the deal. Because right. he didn't think he could crack the, that rotation that he had. And now I'm looking at the rotation currently, and I see 10 guys, and I see Cam is 11. And Tom likes to play 10. So mm-hmm. Cam's going to have to really uh, step it up in training camp. And it's just too bad he had that shoulder injury. Because down that stretch, 
you know, he had soldier sur shoulder surgery, fell hard in Portland, freak, freak play. Yeah. But it was such an opportunity to Cam for Cam to show Tom Thibodeau what he's all about because he's a very athletic player and some scouts think he can be a very good defender. Uh, you know, he, he's got more length and size than RJ. He's a better three-point shooter than RJ, although the current stats may not show it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think some in the Knicks organization and some people around the league think, like, there is talent there, a lot of talent there, and he just needs an opportunity. And Tom makes those decisions, and it, it's going to be interesting in training camp if, if Cam can crack the rotation. Listen, Cam was playing, like, 23, 24 minutes a night in Atlanta and he still wanted a bigger role. He wanted to trade out of Atlanta because he felt he should be a starter mm -hmm. uh, playing more minutes. So, you know, Cam is very confident. Give the kid credit. He thinks he's an all-star in the making. And I'm not sure he thinks he could get there uh, under Tom Thibodeau. Uh, from what you're hearing, are the Knicks actively trying to move Cam at this point? I mean, I know there's been talk with the Lakers at the trade deadline and then even in the off season when the Lakers were mildly involved in trying to be a third team with the jazz and Knicks for Donovan. Mm -hmm. uh, but I mean, I know he would love to be in LA. I think the Knicks, what are the Lakers going to give the Knicks? I mean, they don't need any more draft. They don't need that 2025 first round pick necessarily. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe they would take it, but, you know, I don't know what the Lakers could give the Knicks. So, you know, I think Leon Rose made that trade and he wants to see Cam emerge. So it's a, it's a tough spot. I don't know for sure if uh, Rich Paul has uh, told the Knicks exactly he wants a trade. But I do know Cam prefers a change of scenery. What do you think about the R.J. Barrett deal? Four years, $120 million. Obviously, that's with incentives, so he might not get all of that. I think it worked out to $107 million guaranteed, right, if I'm not mistaken? Something around, along those lines in terms of guaranteed um, money. Obviously, they did that in response to the Jazz not uh, getting back to them or Leon's deadline of uh, Monday night a few weeks ago. Uh, what is your thoughts on the R.J. Barrett deal? you think it's an overpay? Is it a fair deal? And, um, yeah, just what do you think about the deal overall? Well, I mean, <laughs> the scenario that Leon Rose wanted to sign R.J. Barrett on August 31st and needed to sign him on August 31st is a load of crap. Uh, the Knicks actually preferred to wait to October in a perfect world. And in a perfect world, R.J. would have been in a Donovan Mitchell trade. But they couldn't get a package together. They weren't willing to give enough draft picks with RJ. Uh, RJ is a consolation prize. Uh, you know, the problem with RJ is that, you know, there's still flaws in his game. The Knicks think he's going to get better. I don't know how much better, though, if he's going to get into that all-star conversation. He's not a good three-point shooter. He's not a good free-throw shooter. He doesn't have a good right hand. Uh, scouts do think that, it, you know, he could be a stat patter scoring uh, meaningless points in the final minute of a blowout. 
either way. I mean, Tom keeps you keeps his guys in the game in the final minute, even if it's 16 points. So RJ gets a chance to put up some extra points. Um, and naturally it backfired when RJ sprained his ankle when he was on the court in Denver in the final minute and they were getting blown out. But uh, I, I wish the Knicks would have waited to October. I wish maybe even they waited to July. I, as I talk to people in the league, it's like the, this trend of giving these contract extensions to the rookie players where you're still not 100% certain what their value is. Why not just wait to July 1st for restricted free agency when you have a better handle on things? You have all the bargaining power as you can match an offer. But, you know, the Knicks uh, decided that they needed, I mean, I'm told they needed to to, to make sure that our, they, the fans knew they were signing R.J. Barrett even before the news broke about Donovan Mitchell. But I'm told that they didn't want to make it look like RJ was a consolation guy. So um, in your opinion, then with uh, RJ Barrett for this deal to uh, make sense, because it said with his incentives, he needs to get, you know, all NBA defensive teams, all NBA, all-star teams uh, selections. Do you think he's, you think he can actually reach those incentives and get the additional money? Yeah, I don't think he'll make an all-defensive team. Uh, I mean, the best, I don't think he'll make an all-NBA team, but, I mean, he can make an all-star team. He's going to put up numbers. He's going to put up points. It's with, it's whether it's on a winning team. I mean, RJ even said that late last season. You know, we asked him about all-star consideration for next season. And he says, yeah, I mean, that's my goal. And But I know that the only way I'll be picked for the all-star game is if the team is winning. Uh, because, you know, coaches know that a guy averaging 20 points on a lousy team, it doesn't mean as much. So, you know, RJ could definitely be an all-star if the Knicks are winning this season. And with Jalen Brunson as their main uh, improvement over Kemba Walker uh, and Alec Burks, you know, maybe it's possible that the Knicks could be a 43-win team or 44-win team. I think if they made the trade with... Donovan, the Knicks thought that they would make a 10-game leap in the standings to 47 wins. Now I think their ceiling might be 43 and 39. Uh, it's all about chemistry, and we'll see how Jalen fits with RJ and uh, Randall. The one question that mainly Knicks Twitter has is more about the youth. They just want to let the leashes off and let all the youth run free and play them 48 minutes every night. They want Cam Reddish starting. They want uh, Grimes starting. They want Randall on the bench or gone, whatever the case may be. Is Stibbs now forced to play young now that you basically said no to an all-star in Donovan Mitchell when you had a package offered? Potentially, this is what Woj reported initially, of R.J. Barrett, Quentin Grimes, uh, uh, Obi Toppin, or it was actually Obi Toppin, R.J. Barrett, um, and I think two first-round picks they yeah, had offered before, and then Mitchell, right, right, uh, that they want to hold on to Quentin. From what I'm told, he was the uh, the piece that they didn't want to let go of. But now, that if you've done that, if you basically took all these rookies out of this deal because you, you know, they didn't accept it, and maybe you didn't offer enough, is it now the time to play them? Is is that basically what what needs to happen now? 
Yeah, well, Leon was mostly tight with the draft picks, with the unprotected draft Correct. picks. He didn't want to give all those first-round picks that were unprotected right. uh, up in the deal because he felt like, oh, I'm going to need them not to make the draft pick, but I'm going to need to make another trade if we're ever going to try to break this 50-year championship curse. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as Tom Thibodeau playing the young guys, We've said it five million times. Tom Thibodeau is just trying to win. He's putting on the court who he thinks has the best chance to get the Knicks a victory. Now, the good thing is Alec Burks is no longer in the picture. He's been traded. And thankfully, because I hated seeing him at the point guard position, he's not a point guard. I think it was awkward. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Kemba Walker, uh, Tom fell out of favor because he didn't play defense, and he wasn't really a true point guard. He had lost his explosiveness. So, so now you got Jalen, who's a young player, uh, Quentin Grimes, as we talked about. I think you know Tom was very willing to play Quentin. I think the issue is Toppin and Miles McBride, and you know if Randall is having a great season, Obi is going to have trouble getting the type of minutes the Knicks fans want him to get. Mm-hmm. But if Julius is playing great, I mean, like, Obi has a ceiling. I mean, like, Obi is, you know, there's only so much that you can get out of Obi. He's a great player in transition, and he's a smart player on offense, but he's not a good defender. His three-point shot still is spotty, even though he came on late last season, and Tom was very happy to see that. We're mm-hmm. not sure where his three-point shot will be. So it's going to be a tough situation for Tom to divvy up the Randall Toppin minutes, especially with the social media craziness, you know, wanting Obi to play starters minutes. But again, Tom, if Obi is out playing Julius in training camp, you know, I think Tom has had enough of giving Randall as much opportunity as possible. So with Miles McBride, it's a numbers game also because quickly right now is ahead of Miles, but I love Miles myself as a defender. And unfortunately, his three-point shot, sometimes he could go five of five and sometimes he could go over five. It's very spotty. Yeah. Um, listen, I'll be honest. I didn't see enough of summer league. I was again on leave. Mm-hmm. And he did okay. He had a good summer league. Uh, but again, Miles has to really show a lot in training camp for him to get significant minutes. So um, one of the Twitter questions that we got from uh, one of my friends, uh, Greg Schwartz from Bleacher Report, and also Alan Hahn actually uh, mentioned. Greg Schwartz? Yeah, from Bleacher Report. All right. Well, Greg Schwartz is also the next PR director. Oh, look at that. He's moonlighting. <laughs> Maybe he is. <laughs> uh, I hope but, uh, isn't watching this because I'm going to get in a lot of trouble. <laughs> I hope not either. Uh, but, but my, hopefully my, uh, blocking? I'll, I'll try to, I'll make sure, I'll make sure I give him a block for you. Uh, but Alan, oh, Hahn, so, I don't want to say. Yeah. <laughs> Alan, uh, Alan Hahn and, uh, my friend Greg Schwartz basically, uh, were, were asking the ideal, Nick starting lineup. Now, Greg Schwartz asked me this question to more or less to ask you, but also um, Alan Hahn threw it out there in terms of what he would like to see starting now that we didn't do a deal for Donovan Mitchell. And the lineup that he threw out there uh, was going to be Jalen Brunson, Quentin Grimes, RJ Barrett, Julius Randle, and Mitchell Robinson. And I would, I think we talked about this a little earlier, but I would think that most Nick fans maybe 
ones that like Obi may want to switch Randall and Obi out. But for the most part, I think most Knicks fans would agree with that lineup. What is your ideal starting line? Do you and what do you, or what side of lineup do you think is going to actually happen? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the four of the five starters are solidified, and then it depends on how Quentin does in training camp and and Evan. And I think it would be interesting to see Evan come off the bench as a sixth man who could hit the three. I agree. You know, he's not finishing games a lot of times because of his defense. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's not out of uh, – it wasn't like a wild thing that Allen thinks that Quentin could be the starting shooting guard. Uh, you know, listen, if you look at the salaries, yeah, usually you, the guy making $18 million is going to start, but – you know, again, Tom saw the good and the bad with Evan. And uh, if Quentin makes the uh, the jump uh, from his rookie year to his second year, uh, I think I think we could see uh, Quentin uh, starting. It, it really will be a fascinating training camp. Also, just to see how Jalen Brunson fits in with RJ and Julius with one basketball. Who do you think is going to have the biggest leap uh, this season on the Knicks? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, like, I, I'm hoping it's Julius because he was a disappointment last year, but that's too obvious. Uh, you know, I'll say the dark horse is Miles because when he was drafted, I thought he would be playing, you know, minutes. I thought he'd make the rotation because of his defense. Instead, you know, Tom ignored him for a long time and they had to send him to the G League to get reps and uh, action. So, you know, the dark horse is to see Miles, you know, maybe sur- not surpass Emmanuel, but but get that type of status. Because I feel that Emmanuel is a scoring point guard, really more of a backup shooting guard. But Miles is a pure point guard. And I don't think Tom saw that enough or, or doesn't really believe it. He, when I asked him about it, Tom was like, we see him playing both positions. I see Miles as a point guard. He, that night in Houston in December, and he was doing everything, scoring, throwing the ball up court, uh, you know, racking up assists. He was like the floor general. And then he got COVID the next day. And then he came back and, somehow lost his spot. Uh, Dark Horse is Miles McBride cementing himself in the rotation. That's a really good pick, actually, and one that surprises me. I didn't actually think that you would choose that one, so that's a, that's a great well, one. Julius is the obvious one on the leap, you know, and I said before, I think he's going to really bounce back, but I kind of covered that ground. But sort of a, a more obscure answer uh, would be McBride. I want to jump back to Donovan Mitchell, because new reports have come out that apparently the uh, the Jazz, in despite Donovan, didn't want to trade him to the Knicks, so wouldn't accept any offer, and accepted a lesser offer from the Cavs to send Donovan Mitchell there. Um, of course, that also blew up Knicks Twitter, and everybody started hating against Ainge again, thinking that he was the uh, the devil in the cloak. So uh, please, if you can, can you shed some light on this report? Is there any truth to it? I mean, I wrote it. I had someone saying that, yeah, the feeling around the league was if Danny ever got him, uh, traded him to New York, he wanted to rob them because he knew how much the Knicks wanted him. They knew how much Donovan wanted New York. 
So he was he wanted to rob them blind. And there just came a point when Cleveland got involved and got serious in the Colin Sexton contract. And like the Knicks tried to get back in and really just couldn't make their best offer. I feel like Leon had another push come to shove. I think there was a a, a stronger offer there for Leon to make. And I don't know if he ever got the chance. Like Danny started exclusively to deal with the Cavaliers. So Mm -hmm. listen, and then there was another person who said, yeah, well, the Knicks shouldn't have showed up uh, in Dallas when the Jazz were facing the Mavericks. And soon after that, I will give Ian Begley some credit because he did report, you know, soon after that incident that the Jazz were, were a little ruffled by seeing those, you know, uh, it was Wesley, well, Maktar, uh, the personnel director, Alan Houston, Julius Randall. I think the group was three or four, definitely four with Randall. I don't know if there was a fourth Knicks executive there, but they were in the front row, a couple of them, and it was Dallas versus Jazz, and they were there for Jalen, and they were there to be seen by Donovan, and it, and and. It, it ticked off some people in the jazz organization. So did that come to fruition where once Cleveland was coming up strong with three unprotected first round picks, perhaps. Do you see a situation because obviously I think there's so many reports out there. Donovan wanted to be in New York. There's so many links to him in New York. You know, we, we had packages going back and forth trying to get him in New York is there a situation, he's in Cleveland now for obviously maybe the next three years. Is there a situation that if his contract expires, will he seek a uh, situation maybe in New York again, perhaps? Well, I mean, I think before that. Oh, okay. <laughs> someone, the next disgruntled player could be Donovan Mitchell. Um, yeah, listen, anything can happen in this crazy NBA where these players ignore the fact that they're under contract for a few years and tell the, their bosses trade me. Um, Maybe after a a lousy season in Cleveland and the terrible winter uh, of, you know, 10 degree weather and blizzards, you know, Donovan says, I really don't want to be here. Uh, Listen, it's a nice pairing with Darius Garland. though. I think that's a good team. They're better than the Knicks. Uh, but yeah, listen, as we all know, Donovan is a CAA guy and Leon, you know, treasures the CAA guys, his Donovan, his former agent. Uh, so anything could happen there with Donovan and the Knicks going forward. And maybe that was sort of the thinking and maybe Leon's like, ah, in a year or two, Donovan will want out of the, out of Ohio. Are the Knicks really in a win now mode? I know, obviously, with Tom Thibodeau, no matter who the talent is, I mean, you play who you have, and you always try to go out there and win. But what is – because there's for this season, there's kind of a – as you said, there's hard to call it. We don't know where they're going to be. Could they be competitive? Could they be playing? Would they not even make playing? Because the East, as we see it now, is is completely st- – it's not a, it's not the same East as it was two years ago. It's a completely yeah. stacked East. Yeah, Troy, you know, that is a wonderful question for Leon Rose. And I'm not going to answer it for him. Leon Rose should meet with the press at some point in the next few weeks before training camp. Training camp's around the corner. 
He has not spoken to us since last training camp. He did an MSG Network interview on April 10th, uh, you know, edited, and Mike Breen was asking the questions. It's a question that Leon Rose needs to answer. Uh, are we trying to win it now, or are we rebuilding? Where are we? And maybe Leon could craft a letter to the fans like Steve Mills and Scott Perry did a couple of times a few years ago. But I'm not going to try to answer that because I'm very confused myself. I think the Donovan thing would have shown that surely we're trying to do real big things this season as they gave up all their draft picks, but they didn't. So now they're in that middle ground. Are they rebuilding? Are they going for the sixth seed? What, what's going on? Vegas has them as like a 500 team, a little below that. Leon Rose needs to talk to the fans and answer that question. Just because you mentioned that, I just wanted to just speak about it a little bit. How is uh, the overall media reaction to Leon Rose not uh, doing these uh, press conferences and any type of media for this long? Yeah, well, I thought the Knicks hit a new low uh, with their media relations. You know, I was, again, away in Florida, but I was horrified uh, seeing that Jalen Brunson had his introductory uh, press conference uh, you know, uh, without <laughs> inviting the media. So it was just some season ticket holders and MSG Network. And, and getting back to that past question about are they trying to win now, they traded their the 11th pick in the draft to clear cap space to sign a veteran, a young veteran in Jalen Brunson. So, yeah, it looks like they are trying to win now, but they thought they were adding Donovan to that mix too, so... Again, they're in a weird little space right now. But, yeah, the media relations situation is is a little troubling. Uh, they're sort of back to that uh, mode of if it's NBA mandated, uh, they will do media. But as far as extras, like having Leon talk to the beat writers or having an extra press conference for Hardenstein or another availability for Jalen, no, it's it's probably going to head to media day on September 26th before we hear from them again, unless they realize at this point the Donovan Mitchell situation did not make them look great. And maybe they have to say, hey, let's start talking to the fans right now and and have Leon talk, have Tom Thibodeau, who has not talked to the press since April 10th, the night of the season finale. I mean, it's incredible. That's, uh, you know, just putting it in that perspective, that is a long time to go without addressing or speaking to anyone about really anything that's, um, that's serious or on anybody's mind. But what do you talk, what do you say to the critics that say for the Jalen Brunson situation, not for all the others, but just Jalen Brunson. Well, what if uh, the media was there? They was going to ask him a million questions about Donovan Mitchell. So it's okay that they were not there. What do you say to those, uh, those people? Um, that they're not being fair or realistic and that's not how the world works, not to be transparent. Uh, every other team does it. Why shouldn't the Knicks do it? Uh, you know, Jalen, 
obviously with just a client comment, I mean, like we could ask any question in jail and he doesn't have to answer it. And he probably wouldn't, especially with the coaching they do uh, with these guys. I mean, there's media training before the training camp starts, you know, telling them what is, you know, their policy with how to answer some questions. So yeah, listen, it's, I've never seen it done before when you have a marquee free agent signing and you have a press conference and don't invite the press. I mean, it's just, it's never been done before. And I'm a little worried that other teams are looking at it and saying, Ooh, that's not a bad idea. We'll just have our, an, our net own uh, network partner, you know, do the interview and invite our fans. Uh, so that's why I was hoping the NBA might get involved and tell the Knicks, you know, that that's not the way we do things in the NBA, but, I'm not sure that happened, but you know, the Knicks are going to get penalized for the Jalen Brunson alleged tampering. I believe people around the league believe it. I mean, the fact of the matter is that Dallas never got a chance to even sit with Jalen because this deal was done. You know, once free agency start, started, this deal was already done. So Jalen was in Jamaica with his father, not Jamaica Queens. He was in Jamaica in the Caribbean. Uh, the deal was done. So, you know, it's it's pretty clear. It's just what what is the NBA going to do? They'll take a first-round pick? I mean, that would be harsh because of the circumstances of Jalen's father being with the Knicks and Jalen's agent being Leon's son. I mean, th those things should, be, should matter to the NBA. You know, it's like it's hard to avoid talking about stuff when you have those connections. Mark, you've been great. You gave us so much information today. We thank you so much. Before I let you go here today, I just got to ask you one more question. And I think a lot of Nick fans are wondering this too. I've tried to put it in my head as well. I think kind of alluded to it in the beginning of the the um, the interview today, but just want to ask, what do you expect from the Knicks team this season in terms of where are they going to be placed? Where do you expect them to be in this, again, loaded Eastern Conference now? Oh, I thought you were going to ask me about my goatee. Um, yeah, <laughs> That's next. I think they're going uh, to fight for the uh, the ninth and tenth seed. I think they'll be right there between nine and eleven all season. I I I hope that's not a repeat. I can't imagine. I mean, there, it was just so much chemistry issues with Kemba and Evan at the start of the season. I just think they're going to be better. I think they're going to hover around 500, you know, 10, 9, 8, maybe even. But I don't see them not – listen, they're not making the playoffs automatically. I don't see them as a six. There's too many good teams in the Eastern Conference. I feel they will be in the 10 to 8 range all season. And – you never know what happens in the playoffs, you know, if they could get hot and get the chemistry going. But unless Julius Randle turns into a second-team All-NBA freight train again, you know, I think we have to be realistic that this isn't going to be a, a long postseason. So do you think their playoff hopes depend on Julius's Randle play? Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, if they're in the play-in tournament and Julius – you know, is had, if listen, if you're in the play-in, that means that Julius has had a pretty good year. And as we all know, Julius was terrible in the playoffs against the Atlanta. 
So if you know, hopefully he could build on that experience in the play-in tournament, and they could sweep it to the playoffs. The funny thing is, if they're in the play-in and they lose and they're back in the lottery, you know, the lottery police in New York City will be all happy. Oh, good. You know, we made the play-in, but we're still in the lottery, you know, and we have a chance for the number one pick. And, you know, they have a couple of picks. I believe three total with the one of the conditional picks. Right. But they have Dallas's pick. So, yeah, I, I, I just feel that this is a play-in contender, unfortunately, not much more. But after last season, I think Knicks fans will be celebrating in the streets and saying Big Bob. So are you gonna have the beard like this at some point? Or <laughs> what are you what are no, you trying that to do? Makes me look way too old. I have it's all white. It's, it, <laughs> I, the best I could do is a goatee. And this was just by accident. I just was lazy one day and I didn't go all the way. So it might be off uh in the next couple of days. So this will be the last uh you know, pictures of it. Okay, fans, so get a great look. This is the last time you're going to see Berman like this <laughs> for quite some time. Maybe later tonight. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. All right, Mark, thank you again for so much for joining uh, us on another episode of The Knicks Recap. Follow Mark on Twitter. You'll see his uh, Twitter right on the screen right here. You can follow him. Always, he has some of the greatest articles on the Knicks. He breaks a lot of reports and news. If you're not following him or listening to him or already reading his articles, you definitely should. Don't forget to like subscribe, and follow us. Until next time, Nick fans, peace. Listen to new episodes of The Knicks Recap, streaming every Friday.